That's faster than I drive. We are in the midst of a sermon series, and it is entitled Road Trip Through Romans. We're trying to apply ourselves to understand some of these great principles of the Christian faith as communicated through the writings of the Apostle Paul, and I am glad that you're here to continue this consideration together. Today we look at Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through verse 25, and I will be reading this from the message. That's Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this passage. Let's listen together. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes. I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expected, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions. Where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am fooled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Road trips can take forever as a child. At least that's the mindset. I can remember, I can remember being a child in the back seat and giving my mother and dad fits, I'm sure, by asking the question repeatedly how much further till we get there are we there yet and it just is incessant um, my dad driving the old 66 impala 
I think I described to you a white body with the aqua top. Y'all remember the car, don't you? And we would hit the road and go on these long, long camping trips. And it was obviously my mother's job to keep us as distracted as she could while we were on the road. And so I don't know if she came up with this game herself or if she inherited it from other desperate mothers. But we were counting cows on the side of the road. Have you ever done that? We were counting cows as we went down the road. And, of course, we would come up with estimates. You know, if there were a lot of cows, it was 50 cows, you know. And so we would add up the sums. But if you came to a cemetery on your side of the road, you had to bury all your cows. Lost <laughs> Lost all of your cows. And so we had this competition going. If we weren't playing counting cows, we were pay, playing collecting license plates. And we would write down the tag, the states that those tags showed. Trying to get all 50 states, if we possibly could, we were keeping a track of everything that we saw. And Mother would say to us when we would get particularly impatient, just look at the beautiful scenery. Just enjoy the drive. Just enjoy. You, you've never been here before. Just take it all in. It's a wonderful thing. And we were at our wits end. Impatient to arrive at our destination. Now, maybe that you have this same deep sense of wanting to be there in your life. I think it is common to all of us that we have this sense of where we need to be and this deep desire to actually arrive at that place. Now, I'm not talking about geographically as much as I'm talking about spiritually having a sense in what God is calling us to be as individuals, as families, as churches, as community. And yet we sense we're, we're a long way from that destination. The Apostle Paul was looking honestly at his life. And he took on this deep contemplative nature. A lot of us will do this privately, allowing confession to occur between ourselves and God without any mediator. This is sort of the Protestant way. But there is something beautiful about the way in which Paul just lays it out for us. Torah was not only his food, but Torah was his banner. He was to the very core this person that wanted to get it right. In fact, you know the story of Paul, don't you? That before this Damascus Road experience that he had, that he was driven to get rid of all interest 
that would rival the true Jewish faith. And so he went about persecuting Christians. But he did it for the cause of good. In fact, he did it for more than the cause of good. He did it for the cause of God. I don't know if he began to question this within himself. But somewhere on that road, when he was headed to Damascus, the grace of God came to him and gave him the opportunity to look at life differently. It put an enormous question mark in his mind that maybe his way of thinking was not as complete as he had initially thought that it was. When somebody comes into my presence and they seem to have all of the answers, I get suspicious. Do you? I really get suspicious. You know why? Because if somebody comes with all of the answers, you can be sure there's a big cover-up going on. Friends, we are all the same in this. You and I deal with life from a faith perspective. But if you say that you have no doubt... If you aren't living with questions in your mind, then you're better than the Apostle Paul. <laughs> and I don't believe that's the case. In fact, it's an interesting thing that in verse 18 of this chapter, Paul as it's recorded in the New Revised Standard Version, Paul actually says, For I know that nothing good dwells within me. Think about this just a little bit. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. Why would he say that? I mean, come on. He at least gets an honorable mention ribbon, doesn't he? Come on. You know that there's something good in Paul. But the way in which he's looking at this is very honestly seeing to himself that his motivations have been wrong from the beginning. Occasionally I'll have someone come to me after a service and they will say to me, you were preaching right at me. Well, now I wasn't really preaching right at them but somehow they perceived that. In fact, one precious fellow told me that, that I would move to one side of the stage in order to look him in the eyes, <laughs> and then I would move to the other side of the stage in order to keep that eye contact. Now, I had no idea that that was going on, but this precious fellow felt the power of God at work in his life. God wishes to be present in that way. He does not want us 
to live out the Christian faith on the surface, but wishes for us to get into the depths because He is great enough to save us even in the midst of our questions. Rainer Maria Rilke was this Bohemian, Austrian poet novelist who lived about a hundred years ago. And he was this mysterious character himself, but he wrote about life in such a beautiful way to invite us into this mystery. Let me read one thing to you that I treasure that he wrote. He said, be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue, do not seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live a long, some distant day into the answer. You know this, don't you? Surely you've discovered this by now in your life. That Christianity is not about having all of the answers. It is about having the one answer. And we know who that is. We're getting to that. But it is not about acting as if you are the purveyor of all truths. We place all of this in the precious hands of God. You should know that even the founder of the Methodist Church struggled in his faith. In his journal, he would write on more than one occasion, Am I yet a Christian? How could John Wesley say that? I mean, after he had this heartwarming experience as a young man at the Moravian meeting house there on Aldersgate Street. How could, how could that be the case? He even wrote a letter to his brother Charles in 1766. And this is one of the lines in his letter to Charles. He said, this is the mystery. I do not love God. I never did. Therefore, I never believed in the Christian sense of the word. Therefore, I am only an honest heathen. Can you believe that John Wesley would write those words when he was 63 years old?
Have you ever had a bad day? I mean, come on, answer me. Does it make you question? Do those days get so bad ever that they make you question the very foundation of your life? Have you ever been there? Do you, do you wonder to yourself even if all of this makes any sense? Do those kind of questions ever come to you? The best among us have these questions. Don't act as if this is not a part of Christian faith. Mother Teresa, the precious saint that she became, left 6,000 letters behind. And as this soul who was intent on helping her to become a saint read through these letters after her death, he discovered a very terrible thing. And that was that she was plagued with doubt. She struggled to feel the closeness of Christ in her life. Oh, she had felt it early on. And Jesus had made himself so present to her. But when she went into her work in Calcutta, not a breath of the Spirit. Did she give up her work? You know that story. She gave her life to Christ in ways that you and I just cannot fathom. God's okay with doubt. God's okay with incompleteness. But God calls us continually to come home to Him. I like that story that is told in Mark of Jesus who comes upon a situation where a father has brought his son to some leaders in the temple and they have been incapable of curing the son who has some type of epilepsy or possession, whatever it might be. And as the father describes it, he says that he goes silent and then he gets into these convulsive fits and he even will fling himself into a fire or the water. We're always having to rescue him if you're able to do anything. And Jesus says, if I'm able to do anything, <laughs> he said, if you will believe all things are possible, do you remember what the father said to Jesus? The father said, I believe. Help my unbelief. What does that mean? Well, it means that he's just like us. Don't go through your life denying that there are parts of you that do not make sense. 
entrust it all to God. In fact, when we come to receive communion, when we come to this place to receive Holy Communion, there are two matters that are so critically important for us to get right. The first is confession. To place our hearts before God and to say, God, you know how difficult this is for me and how many things I've gotten wrong. Place that before Christ and then give him thanks, which is the other important matter. Let me ask you, in terms of being Christian, are you there yet? Are, are you in process? God has us to be a people in process. <clears throat> Jesus is the one that sets things right for us. And only Jesus. Jesus sets things right. Martin Luther, in a letter to Philip Melanchthon, wrote these words of encouragement to the Christians of his day. He said, be a sinner and sin boldly. Now, does that mean that we should just do whatever we want? No, he continues here. He says, be a sinner and sin boldly, but believe and rejoice in Christ even more boldly. Pray boldly, for you too are a mighty sinner. I like the way that Eugene Peterson puts this here. Listen again to the end of this passage. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. As we come to a table of communion, remember the invitation of God. Christ is the only one in whom we have a hope to set things right.